0: agricultural shows have a special place in farmers hearts they offer opportunities to see top livestock socialize and exchange knowledge but after two years of COVID restrictions some smaller shows have folded and others are in a precarious financial position those that remain have the daunting task of having to appeal to both their traditional rural audience and an urban population which is increasingly disconnected from farming In trying to face both ways, is there a risk that shows will please neither group? These are the kind of questions our reporter Lucy Baxter and Features Editor Emily Ashworth will be exploring in this week's episode of Over the Farm Gate. I'm Abby Kaye, Head of News, and I'm handing over to the pair to get stuck into this fascinating topic.
1: Did you know the School of Sustainable Food and Farming has announced a £50,000 prize pot for farmers who are trying to develop sustainable farming practices? The Journey to Net Zero competition wants to support farmers who are planning to implement a scalable, sustainable farming system or process that will have a positive and measurable impact on how they farm. Grants of between £5,000 and £20,000 are available and you have until the 30th of September to enter online. The competition is being supported by Bradford Estates, Harper Adams University, McDonald's, Morrisons, the NFU, Trinity AgTech and Trinity Global Farm Pioneers.
2: Trinity Natural Capital Group is supporting the competition in two ways. Select participants will have access to Trinity Agtex Sandy, the flagship Smart Natural Capital Navigator. And all participants will also have access to Trinity Global Farm Pioneers, a new generation, non-profit knowledge exchange and collaboration digital platform.
1: To find out more and to enter, visit www fginsight.com forward slash net zero competition. Entries close on September 30th, 2022.
3: On this week's Over the Farmgate podcast, I'm here at the Westmoreland County show as they celebrate their 223rd show. Now, we know the pandemic cancelled a lot of the agricultural shows in 2020 and last year people were really excited to get back out. But what are people here at the Westmoreland show thinking will be the future of agricultural shows going forward?
4: I think they're fabulous. I think there's a lot of um, kind of is it worth doing it kind of chat. But I think it's really good. We get to see loads of customers from a
2: company point of view and people love them. absolutely love it. I don't know if Covid's done them a favour really because we've had a few years off and people are really excited to get back to them and come and have a look around, but
4: I've done loads of shows this year and I think they've been really, really successful.
5: Uh, I think today's show is fantastic for this area because it's a great shop window for all the local producers and in the food tent, for example, wonderful products that people are making, but an opportunity for people to just show off what they do and uh, look, we're having a great day, we're having a wander around and uh, yeah, wonderful.
6: I think they'll carry on as they are, Those are supported like they are today, they'll still carry on.
3: Yeah I think they,
4: they seem to be getting the support don't they, people have enjoyed coming back I think this year haven't they, I think it's done them good having
1: a break really with Covid. I think it's very very uh, solid really, um, I think it's the thing that besides actually displaying all the items that we have, also it's a meeting place, a big meeting place and I think it will go on forever this.
3: There's so much going on from livestock judging and showing to country living stalls and trade. And we're going to find out what the future of agricultural shows is. Is it going to become just a traditional British thing to do or actually a show is going to give farmers the opportunity to educate and share with the public what they do? I'm Lucy Baxter from Farmer's Guardian and I'm joined now by Christine Knight, the Chief Executive of Westmoreland Agricultural Society. We're here at the Westmilland County show today, it's the 223rd show here. What do you think the purpose of of the agricultural shows are now and have they changed from what they once were? I think it depends where you are in the industry. Um, The agricultural show industry remains
2: vitally important for the rural community. It is that bridge between rural and urban. It still serves a very valuable purpose for farmers for livestock breeders and and for for the farming community to come together. Equally, it's so important to help the public to understand the origins of their food, where their food comes from, and actually how the countryside functions. So it is still valid. Our industry is changing and different shows
3: reflect different areas of the country. Now, obviously we're here at the Westmillan show. What have the discussions been like higher up possibly about the future of shows and what you're kind of expecting going forward? I think it is very much down to the local
2: level. Our industry has seen a contraction over recent years. Um, I suppose that's that's the way that times move forward. We have lost some very big shows and some smaller shows. Shows themselves, historically, are run by volunteers And as time continues and perhaps committees age, then our volunteer resource reduces. Um, So it has changed, it is evolving and and that's right that things should evolve, but it is sad to see some of the shows disappear.
3: And you know, if we go pre-pandemic to now, have you noticed a change in the audience? Is it the farmers still coming to show or is it sort of... The members of the public and consumers wanting to know what a cow looks like and where their <laughs> food comes from?
2: I think the answer to that is both. Um, we were one of the few agricultural shows to actually run uh, in 2021. We saw a huge resurgence in people wanting to see, to go to events and to experience agricultural shows again. This year we'll have to wait and see what happens. The interest has been immense. Certainly our exhibitors, those showing livestock here, have continued to increase. Um, perhaps one or two less cattle but a lot more sheep exhibitors and so there is still a passion there and it's still very you know very important to them. Visitor wise it's a complete mix. Certainly being a midweek show we tend to attract fewer families but we now have a second event in the spring which is totally family focused and that has seen well this year was a record crowd
3: and so for farmers you know it's not just showing the livestock and there's a there's a bigger beneficiary to it you know for their mental health why do you think they're so important to farmers
2: an awful lot of farmers work on their own they often see very few people other than their close family or the few traders that, that call on them on the farm or it's not even quite as social now to go to the auction mart as it, as it once was. So I think an occasion like this is about giving a community hug, actually meeting people. And so it, it, it is it provides that very valuable opportunity to come together.
3: And as I mentioned, it's the 223rd show today and tomorrow. What's changed from the very first show?
2: Um, the classes particularly, because the most popular class in, two, um, in 1799 for our first show was the best field of mangles. And I don't think anybody around here grows mangles. Obviously the livestock has changed, but actually here we've stayed very, very close to our roots. It is about promotion and enhancement of agriculture. And um, we really do th- hope that we deliver farming at its core and warmly welcome the wider public to come and see what we do.
3: Well, I mean, best of luck for the next two days. How many attendants are you expecting?
2: We're hoping to go above 30,000 over the two days, hopefully, possibly get to 35, 36. Uh, ticket sales are very buoyant. A lot depends on on what the good Lord throws us from, from the skies, really. But yeah, we're hoping to, to actually have about that number of people across the two days.
3: And how does that compare pre-pandemic?
2: Pre-pandemic, that is a very, very good one day show. Um, if we get... A, Above 36,000, then that's a record for us.
3: Well, enjoy the rest of the show. Thank you so much for talking to us. And yeah, I hope the weather stays good for you like it is now. Thank you.
0: Thanks to Lucy for that look at what's happening in Cumbria. Now we turn to Emily, who's speaking to Mark Stoddart, Chairman of the Association of Show and Agricultural Organisations, Secretary and Treasurer of the Yorkshire Federation of Show Societies, and Financial Controller of the Yorkshire Agricultural Society, which organises the Great Yorkshire Show.
4: Some of the smaller shows were cancelled this year because of financial problems. Is that something that you feel concerned about going forwards?
5: I obviously wear quite a few hats, as I think you're aware. Uh, I'm Treasurer and Secretary of the Yorkshire Federation of Social Societies, which is 60 small shows in the Yorkshire area. Uh, I know of at least three shows that will not be showing again, they will not be holding again. Uh, I also I am ex-chairman of the ASAO, uh, and unfortunately had the dubious honour of being chair over the COVID period, which was not the world's easiest. Um, but then also, I'm heavily involved and employed by the Yorkshire Agricultural Society, so I, I come at it from three different areas. In 2020, no shows took place. There were the the odd online sort of things, which I think we learned a little bit for. 2021, I think about 50% of shows actually sort of went ahead in one form or another, uh, and but they were very, very highly regulated as what you could do, what you couldn't do. But it did give shows an, a huge opportunity to try things. Uh, for example, ourselves, we went to four days. Uh, we talked about four days for the last 10 years and whether or not we should do it or not. But because the council and then sort of public health said, you can't have that many people on the showground, you need to limit the number. Well, in order for us to be able to put the show on and actually make it vaguely financially viable, we had to go to an extra fourth day. Um, And so and then subsequently in 22, we've done the same. Um, Someone like the Royal Highland they, in 2021, they did a sort of hybrid show uh, and they're slightly before us, so therefore the restrictions were more onerous for them than they were for us. And they did a show where they effectively had all the exhibitors there, but they actually did it as an online version. So the, the public weren't there, but the public can actually follow it online. And it's interesting to see from that, Uh, in 2022, that they have uh, expanded that Uh, and their online aspect has been very, very good. I I also noticed the Welsh have gone down the expansion of of that side of things as well, which is, it's a real opportunity. And, And sometimes these things, you need something to make you make the changes to actually see what you can do. Now we did some things that were a disaster, and uh, it's fair to say we tried to on the Wednesday that we were going to people could come in for like sort of MV sheep could come in on the first two days, and then the non-MV would come on the second two days. Well, the theory is absolutely wonderful until you've got two thousand sheep all trying to swap over in the same hour uh, on this in the same area of the showground. Uh, and we'd managed to snarl up the Earl of Harrogate. Um, so most people will be glad to know that we aren't going to do that again, uh, because we learned from it, but we tried it. Uh, and I think that's often the case that we did actually take the opportunity to try those. And there are other shows. Um, Driffield show uh, in 2021 uh, went to a two-day show. And they'd previously been a one-day show. And then again this year, they also went for a two-day show. However, they've announced that next year they're going to go back to a one-day show. Uh, uh, so they've tried it. it. for some reason I don't know why it's not worked and therefore that they are sort of reverting. but at least they tried it. it gave them the opportunity to try these things. Yeah On the sort of the more negative side, there are shows that literally lost all of their staff, all of their volunteers, Uh, And a lot of the sort of smaller shows, they rely very, very heavily, normally on one or two people. And a lot of time with the COVID and the two years, a lot of people took the opportunity to sort of say, well, actually, I'm calling it a day. And they've really struggled to actually pick up those shows again and to actually get them valid and up and running again. And some shows um, had to make some fairly drastic decisions in October, sorry, in March, April, 2020 um, with their own staff because they knew they weren't gonna have a show uh, and furlough sort of worked if you were employed but if you were sort of self-employed it didn't really work in that aspect. Uh, So again, a lot of people then went and found other jobs to do other areas uh, and then didn't necessarily come back to the shows. Uh, And I I think that has been a very difficult area that I think all shows have struggled to actually get over that and actually move forward with that aspect.
4: And that's the other thing as well, isn't it? You know, agricultural shows, if you visit one, you see the end product. You don't see the amount of work that actually goes in to put these shows on. And there's a lot of people behind the scenes, either volunteers or, um, mm-hmm. like you said, people whose job it is to to, to um, produce this show. And it, it means as much to them mm-hmm. as it does to exhibitors and to visitors. So it's a whole rounded, um, it's a ripple effect, isn't it, really?
5: Absolutely. I, I take on here, we, we have about 250 volunteers at the Great Yorkshire. We have 250 volunteers, our stewards. But we also take on about 275 staff. And I know that a number of those staff gear up their holidays around the Great Yorkshire Show. And I know our stewards do it as well, Yeah, because it is a highlight of their year. And they are very, very proud, both stewards and temporary staff, very proud of the product that we put on. Uh, and and therefore, it is their highlight. And it, you, you talked about the amount of sort of knowledge and work, and I always remember We went to Disneyland with my children a long time ago. And I remember spending half the time looking through gaps between gates to see how they were handling their litter, how they were doing all of these other various things. Because fundamentally, you're putting a show on, it's the same. Are the loo's good? Is the food good? Uh, Is it clean? Is is people smiling? And looking at every opportunity to see how other people sort of deal with these things. one of the uh, things of the ASAO is Association of Show and Agricultural Organizations is where all the shows effectively get together, and we talk about best practice. And, and, and but one of the best bits of that is that the ASAO you can write if you're a member of the Great Yorkshire or you you can ask for two tickets to go to the Royal Cornwall, and they they will give you two free tickets. So I've been very lucky to go to a lot of shows sometimes they're not very pleasurable because you are looking at the nitty-gritty rather than the nice bit that you're meant to be seeing but actually you're seeing the how other people deal with the same issues and it's a huge huge community the asao and shows because we all know the stresses the strains of putting on a show but we also know how good it it is and the, the product is at the end of the day Yeah
4: and um, and just going back a little bit to what you said about the changes that were made um i spoke to nigel um pulling yes yeah, yes uh, <laughs> last last year uh but yeah. he, obviously when you went to that four day uh you know when you changed the structure a little bit um, am i right in saying that the feedback from visitors was actually you know really positive because they had a, a better experience if you will because y-
5: that, that that is exactly that well, one of the main reasons that we continued with that because we limited the amount of people who could be on the showground and this was part of covid uh is that we were only allowed then we were only allowed 26,000 people per day on the showground yeah and everyone came and all the feedback and i mean all the feedback was how they loved the space yeah. and the fact that they weren't sort of squashed in behind into various areas they could actually if they were walking down the one of the sort of uh corridors they, they could actually look at the trade stands that were on the sides and actually could go to them now in previous years we've had up to fifty-five thousand per day uh, and that realistically was unpleasant uh, and it, it gave us the opportunity again. It was a thing that was enforced by COVID that we then took forward. Uh, Nigel has subsequently retired, actually, yeah. uh, so we have a new chief executive, Alistair. Um, but it, it was very true. That was the feedback that we got was how much they loved having the space. So when this year came along, we sort of said, "Well, we need we need to make it pay." Uh, so we, but we also want to continue the limit on the amount of people. What we used to do was any one-day tickets. So what people could do was that they could come on the, they get a ticket, and then they look at the forecast and see that Tuesday is horrible. So everyone who was going to come on Tuesday would come on the Wednesday as well. So you got loads and loads of people on the Wednesday. It became unpleasant. It wasn't nice for the visitors, okay? So, so yeah, we took that forward. So this year, we had a limit of 35,000 people on the showground per day. Uh, still, quite considerably less than the 55 peak that we've had, but it ha- that has huge knock ons. We know how many cars are going to be parked. We know the catering requirements. We know the lose. Um, we, 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 we. You have a lot more sort of control over these things. Um, interestingly, last weekend, uh, Nidderdale Show, which is up at Pateley, and because of the um, their show was normally on the Monday, and the Monday was the uh, obviously the funeral. And so they had to change that, and they pulled it through onto the Sunday. Now, it's fair to say it was a huge success. They got lots more people than they were expecting, and that they probably normally had. But that then put strains on the food stalls, it put uh, on the parking, and on the and and it, it, so you have to sort of be able to adapt to that, that side of things as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, so 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 yes yeah, so it is. You, you, There's it, positives it come out part. of all of
4: this. There's yeah, absolutely, positives. and there are, yeah. are
5: positives, and so yeah. a lot of shows are going to take forward.
4: Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's visitor experience. So let's let's talk a little bit about exhibitors. Um, like we said before, you know, many people plan everything around. A particular show however do you we have heard that some exhibitors not not from you know your particular show um that some of them actually after two years off don't don't think it's worth coming back is that has that been your experience or have you had have most of them been eager to kind of get back and like you say it's not just about the the farming side it's about that um connection side and that socialization aspect of it
5: I think it's fair to say, and across the board, the trade stand exhibitors, if that's what you're talking about, rather than the life of exhibitors. The trade stand exhibitors, I think it's fair to say across the board, and I've been to a number of shows this year, are down on previous years. Uh, I think a lot of them, including ourselves, uh, I think a lot of them have found other ways to market uh and a lot of that is online uh they they found sort of ways that they can sell to other people either online or in in different ways and different fashions uh i think that has probably been the biggest i think also trace sands were slightly wary of coming back as to what they were coming back to were the numbers still going to be there were they uh visitors and and sort of going forward from here as well is how much will the visitors have in their pockets? How much money will they have to spend? So I think there has been a little bit of sort of wariness as to, um, if, if it will pay. Uh, and I, I do know ourselves and other shows have not been putting the prices up at the trade stands particularly because they're aware of this aspect. Uh, now, cost of sort of living and, and transport in particular for our, our area is going up quite substantially. So there are gonna to have to be some increases, but we are very, very wary of that for exactly the reason you're saying is the fact that trade stands are not queuing up. We used to have, I mean, our waiting list used to be amazing. You know what I mean? We have a very enviable position that we have a huge waiting list of trade stands. That is not there anymore. Uh, and it's a different well, we're having to live with a slightly different area but in the meantime we're also going to try and keep the quantity quality up because there's no point just filling trade stands with i, I don't I, i'm <laughs> lots of the same uh lots of the same product and lining them up next door to each other that just does not work it doesn't help them it doesn't help us it doesn't get the right impression across we need to try and keep the quality of the trade stands and we are agricultural shows we want to keep the agricultural content up we want to have the machinery lines we want to have um the the plant lines and and those sort of things and the agricultural content we need to keep that up Uh, and so it's not just a case of everyone who comes who applies can come uh, but you you are right it, it has been a difficult year this for for trade stands to to actually sort of come
4: and just you know do you we know that people are interested in our industry we yeah. you know and we need ways in which to connect to the public and to consumers do you think that or do you have any stats or anything like that to show um you Know who your visitors are. Do you are they predominantly rural? Are they are they is it a good mix or what
5: we, is- we we have more stats than you can shake a sticker <laughs> because, it's, because it's obviously something that we are very very interested in, yeah. Uh, and then there are we, we we judge it uh realistically, we had it's always in our statutory accounts as, as to how the percentage of agricultural trade stands that we have on the showground, um. You can look at the ticket buyers, you can look at a, one of those and, and 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 majority we tend to keep that rural area up and and then you start going into the uh, social positions of, of our visitors and, and that side of things. But we we it is very, very difficult to actually work out because what appeals to one person is not necessarily what appeals to someone else. And I think all agricultural shows sell themselves that they've got a little bit of everything for for everyone so for example you might you might not appreciate any of the farming sorry you might not appreciate any of the livestock or any of that side of things but you will still appreciate the trade stands you will still appreciate the good food and we're very lucky we have some superb food food in yorkshire uh, and deliciously yorkshire put that on Uh, west melinda they have the taste of the west uh, and so there are lots of these sort of ex-rural, uh, the ex, um, I can't remember the name, but food um, groups. Yeah. Uh, that, that which, sorry. So people are very proud of that. And so they get a different experience from it. So yeah. we do have different aspects. We have cookery theatres, we have those sort of things as well. So th- there is always something there for someone. But we, we are determined to try and keep up the agricultural content. Now, I, I think I speak on most agricultural shows um that you need to keep that agricultural content up because that draws the farmers, that draws do you know the, the people and it's a little bit of a sort of if you've got the content I come with that Kevin Costner film, uh if you build it, they will come. And it's very if you build the right thing, they will come. Uh and so and I, I think we we do work on that. Yes. There are interestingly. The and it's very difficult to say, but Hearsay, on our fourth day this year, we got a slightly different audience. Uh, and I, because uh, the, our, our customers are on the whole fairly traditional, I always come on the Tuesday, I always come on the Wednesday. But Friday, we haven't got a history of who comes on a Friday. So we did tend to get a slightly different audience on that. And I know there are other shows that um, the, the Royal Cornwall uh, do Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And they, uh, I think that's right, it's definitely, yeah, it could be Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but their audience on the Thursday or the first day is very different to the audience that they get on the weekend. But that's a good thing because half of the thing we're trying to do is educate the general public about what, our, what, what the farming industry does and the rural environment provides uh, for everyone. Uh, and this gives us that opportunity.
4: Is there, is there a challenge, would you say, in trying to please both audiences, if you will, farming and and, um, and the public? Because was it the Hound parade that was cancelled Yes, year? it was the helm yeah. parade that was cancelled. Um, and I can imagine that some people in the farming community wouldn't have been particularly happy about that. Because it's one of our traditions in our industry, I guess. How do you balance? Is it a balancing act for you guys to to make sure there's that there's enough, con, you know, enough content there for content, or you know, enough there for yes, people it, from it, agriculture it, and enough it, people there for visitors from outside of our industry? Is what I'm trying to say.
7: Yes,
5: it's a huge, huge balancing act, and that one particular issue. And I'm not particularly going to spend much time on that. It was like um, a rugby match. You've got half the team at one end and half the other team at the other end, and there's no one in the middle. There's no one in the middle at all. So I think we have to be very, very careful of that. So it is, I think the only way you can sort of do it is actually by putting the agricultural content in there, then that draws the audience that you are wanting. But those that aren't necessarily coming for that you are then doing the education side of that. Uh, and I mean at the Great Yorkshire, we've had um we've had fashion shows for many years. Uh we didn't have a fashion show this year. We went to a uh, the GYS stage where we had a number of celebrities on. Now, there's a, an argument that celebrity is not necessarily the root for the agricultural, but we had Matt Baker and we had Adam Henson on there. Now they are agricultural. Celebrities. They had very good knowledge of the issues that people were talking about. Now, there was a question and answer session and you got questions across the full gambit of um, what do you like doing at the weekend to, well, how do you deal with a, a mixy rabbit? you you have it so so you got the and and that worked it, it provided the opportunity and it again it was that sort of education side so so I think if you're gearing up your activities and your attractions to the right audience you will get the right audience
4: on the back of that then is that how you see the role of agricultural shows going forwards you know you're going to keep I mean you said before you know at the core of them. It doesn't change and that's really quite special but actually maybe it's that that little that bit around that core that is ever you know ever evolving whether that be you know including people like adam henson or including that other side of things like fashion it's an it's it's an educational route perhaps that uh, we need going forwards to ensure the longevity
5: I, I think um, it's interesting. One, Someone once said to me a long time ago, he said, Great Osher Show never changes, but constantly changes. Yes. And yeah. I thought that was it summed up an awful lot because fundamentally, a lot of the core aspects, you could go back, as I mentioned earlier, you go back to the 1900s and you can see there is a particular uh, breed of cattle and they were showing exactly the same. And that's 160 years have probably been the same aspect. But then there was no way they would have ever thought about the fashion show. And the reason the fashion show came about was to actually try and find something to do with the wool that no one was willing to pay anything for. And that's why that came about. So I think there is a huge role for agricultural shows going forward, very much in the lines of what it's done in the past, is that networking side, the social side, and the educational side. Uh, I think that side is there. I think as long as you keep the agricultural content, then you don't start getting into the competition with the festivals and and into the different aspects. Uh, And I think that's where you've got to be slightly careful. I think every show or every type of show you needs to have a unique selling point. One of our unique selling points is the fact that we have animals and we are purely agricultural. We are mainly agricultural. I think if you keep that at the heart, then that will uh, see us through for many, many years to come.
3: To get a different show's perspective, I have with me now Alan Laidlaw, who is the Chief Executive of the Royal Highland and Agricultural Society of Scotland. Welcome to the podcast, Alan.
7: Lucy, good afternoon. How are you?
3: I'm great, thank you. So talk to me a bit about the Royal Royal Highland show this year. How was it and maybe in previous years when COVID was happening?
7: Uh, Royal Highland show in June this year was what we've described uh, before and after as a barnstormer. And I think it's because there was a a pent up demand. People have missed shows through COVID um, and the overarching emotion from everyone that was on the show field in June said it's just great to be back.
3: Yeah. And obviously everyone has been able to go back to the shows. Obviously, the last few years with COVID, they've been different. Did you do a show when it was um, COVID times or how did you do it differently, did you say?
7: Yeah, so I mean, COVID impacted every agricultural show. 2020, we were, were cancelled like most. Um, and, um, you know, it was a really tough decision, but we knew it had to happen in, in the timings. But in 2021, we actually went um, behind closed doors and we had all the agricultural and equestrian competitions and we live streamed those um, of seven days, 14 hours on four streams. It was one of the, the largest streaming um, uh, undertakings t- in, in, in British history. Um, And we did that really successfully. Over 105 countries viewed um, over 300,000 people engaged. And the average dwell time was was very, very high for that sort of online broadcast. So that's what we did in, in 2021. And the choice we did around that was we didn't want a three year gap from 2019 to 2022. We thought it was really important for the agricultural community you know, we all know that, for example, livestock competitions, you know, everyone looks at a beast in the shed and says, you know, I think this is the best beast around. And it's only till it's standing next to his or her um, competitors, that you get a chance to to look at that. So we took a view for the agricultural community that it was really important. And that's what we did in, in 2021. And I think, you know, that paid off this year, because people were really bouncing to be back. And indeed, we had a dairy exhibitor that was with us who hadn't been to the show for 25 years plus, uh, and they came back to showcase in 2021 and, and, and came back to the show this year. So um, small examples like that meant that we are probably pretty happy with the decision last year and into this year.
3: Do you think the future of shows are going more technical? Do you think this is something that, that maybe the more elderly farmer who can't get to shows or walk around them anymore... Can, can sit and watch or maybe if you don't want to drive to to edinburgh to the highland show and you, you're down south if you, you could watch it you know whilst things are happening do you think that's kind of the future
7: i think it's a balance uh lucy i think it's really important you know we had our bicentenary so the 2022 show was the 200th anniversary of our first show now in some ways and i've got a plan on the wall of the office you know that the, the show of 1822 looked not dissimilar to the show of 2022 because it still had competitions of animals and produce, but everything else around it is completely different and shows have evolved and that's what they're doing at the moment. So you you mentioned the elderly, we had a lot of people in 21 and 22 that said, I just can't get to the show. My mobility won't let me spend a day on a show field, but I thoroughly loved watching all the judging and all the competitions and, and things online internationally people engage with a show because they can, they can click on, they can see what it looks like. They can engage in livestock and genetics or show jumping or or sheep shearing ahead of the world, sheep shearing championships at the Royal Highland Show next year. And I think all these things are different hooks to get different people. But the one thing you need for that is a show. And the reason people come to shows is because it's coming together as people, as individuals, as something that's important to them. They care about the farming community. And I think that's, you know, that in-person experience this year was really, really in- enhanced. And the overarching emotion was, it's great to be back. I've hardly seen any of the show because of the conversations I'm having with people I know are taking longer because I've not seen them properly for two two years. And and, and shows are made by people and, and people get a lot out of shows, especially the local show, whether it be your show, um, whether it be Westmoreland, Driffield or granton show in the north of scotland it's all about the people engaging with each other
3: you mentioned there how from now to 200 years ago the the sort of basics of the show the the competitions and the judging was the same but you mentioned how everything else was completely different why don't you talk to me a little bit about what's changed since then and maybe what you think in 200 years time let's say might have changed again
7: well, let's let's assume that in 2 years 200 years time we all still need to eat so food will still be important and how we make our food rear our food grow our food which laboratories our food is growing in I don't know which direction that will go but people will still be engaging in land in in forestry and carbon probably and in food so I think a show in 200 years time will still be looking at all of those things it will be looking at water Quality, etc., as it is at the moment. You know, we we had Soil Essentials came on to the Royal Highland Showground this year, a couple of days before the show, with their autonomous tractor. You know, and it was really I, I watched this thing coming up the hill and thinking, this is a moment in history. This is a moment that the Royal Highland Show has the first autonomous tractor commercially available in the UK on the show field. And whenever you walk past that stand over four days, there were people kicking the tires, the the tracks, and they were asking questions about it, they were asking the price, do we really think that this will replace, you know, labour, is it great that labour can be replaced, what are the moral ethics of of this, and that happened at the Royal Highland Show, and that happened, we had a 200th anniversary um, illumination sort of uh, art display in in the start of this year. And one of the PAFE videos was uh, very much just calling the, the bale lifting machine, which was going to revolutionize the clearance of bales from fields in the in the sixties. And, you know, so that, that element of the show is the same 50, 60, a hundred years ago. And, and, you know, our technical innovations awards that the Royal Highland Agricultural Society of Scotland run and, and present at the Royal Highland Show are our longest running competition. And that's about how do we make equipment, machinery, technology, apps, breeds or varieties best in class to be supporting UK agriculture. So 200 years time, I still think there will be agricultural shows and they'll still be celebrating the best of agriculture. They'll just be doing it in different ways. I think one of the constants, though, will be the coming together of people because it's important to them. And that's what agricultural shows do best. And that might be your local show. I live in East Lothian. Haddington shows my local show or the Highland show or anything in between. There's a glue in agriculture. There's a glue in rural communities. And and that runs right to the heart of shows and showing um, and that coming together of people. And I I still think that that's a healthy thing to do. And actually, counterintuitively, COVID might help that because people realized what they missed when they were isolated and they were alone and they weren't able to spend time together other than by the virtues of zoom
3: yeah definitely and what do you think of the the audience of of agricultural shows do we is it still the farmers getting together chatting about their cows their livestock their um crops and things or do you think it's more moved towards a heavier percentage of consumers and people who aren't from farming families wanting to see a cow in real life and wanting to know how their food is made.
7: It Lucy, it's both. And you can see both things happening in front of your eyes at any show at any time. You might have some really specialist sort of or local shows that are very, very sort of farmer oriented, but most shows will have, you know, a front, front facing element to the public and, and a, a very much a trade element. And I think that's why they work so well. The, the public loves seeing competitions. So 50, 50% plus of our audience is urban for the Royal Hound Show. You ask them what their feedback is on a show day, it's a great day out, great livestock and great food. And the livestock in particular, they love the competitions. They love a judge slapping the rump on their champion to say that is the best animal in the show field. And the reason they love it is because it's full of emotion. It's like lifting a championship cup final aloft your yeah. head, and people engage with that. If it was just a demonstration of this is a cow you get to see in real life, people wouldn't be drawn into the stories. You know, if you look at the media requests for us and the run up to the Highland Show, it's always about the people behind the competitions whether it's our ice cream championships or whether it's a sheep or a cow or a horse or sheep shearing or the farrier competitions, they're all asking about the people behind. So I I think it's both. Um, And I think the coming together of farmers to touch base, you know, we all talk about social isolation. We all talk about the challenges of farming. We all talk about, um, you know, mental health and awareness actually those soft conversations that can be had between farmers and, and the people in the sector of all ages and, and um, interests is huge but also it gives you chances to check in with people you maybe say oh oh, you know he wasn't looking great or she was a bit down and I'll maybe follow up next week because I didn't think they were quite on the form that they were and I think that's what what shows and that coming together are really important for And I think two things for me beyond that is the public love to know that the story of their food and they're engaging in that more than they probably ever have done. And the farmer, per se, or the person involved in the production of food or the landscape gets a chance to hear what people are thinking. And they might not speak to them. They might not say, here, Lucy, you're a farmer. What do you think it is? They might just stand next to them at a stand and hear some of the questions that are being asked of a food producer or of a you know of a piece of technology, and it gives them an insight and we all know that the divide between urban and rural is probably as big as it's ever been in this country, and anything we can do from my perspective to bridge that is is really worthwhile
3: so Alan, why do you like shows so much? What's your sort of favorite part of them, or maybe why why do you enjoy it as like?
7: Thing? Um, so my dad was a dentist. I grew up on a, a farm but wasn't a farmer. I didn't have a farm. I came to the Royal Highland Show with my next door neighbour, who was an agricultural engineer on the farm, um, and he encouraged me to be engaged in interest in just farming. So I was a farmer without a farm, um, and I took career advice at the Royal Highland Show when I was 15. I came to the Royal highland Show probably from the age of 10, you know, with him. Uh, I decided to go to Harper Adams and study agriculture, became a a land agent. And every point in my career, I've touched on shows as being a really important part of of what I did. So never did I imagine that I would then lead an organization that delivers one of the largest shows in the country. Um, But I'm glad I did because of what I've talked about so far to the people, you know, we've got people that volunteer tens if not hundreds of days of their time a year to producing, you know, a great show. And it's because they care. We've got the Royal Highland Education Trust, where we, we try and get that education message into every school in Scotland. And it's because people care about food. So I feel hugely privileged to be involved in, in that sort of organization. And yeah, I'm a people person. I, I, I do love shows. Um, my six-year-old and my three-year-old are starting to, to enjoy shows too. Um, but equally they one of them, he said at six that when we were at Touriff Show this year, he was negotiating, to say, Daddy, can I do something I want to do now because it looks like you're having all the fun. Uh, so yeah, um, I do love shows. I think they're a really part, important glue within rural Scotland um, within you know, we've got a pyramid of shows from the smallest, largest, and we're, we're both required each other to be successful, just as you know Westmoreland, Yorkshire, royal welsh you know all of these shows are fantastically important to the local area and ultimately we we deliver between 80 and 100 million pounds worth of economic value to scotland and the rural economy that's a really important figure
3: Mm, definitely well alan thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today and just a different perspective on it So I'm now joined by David Tite, the chairman of the Agricultural Shows and Organisations and the chief executive of Driffield Agricultural Society. And so David, we're here at Westmoreland show. Talk to me a bit about actually what all the agricultural shows are doing for the next generation of farmers and consumers.
6: Okay, there's a lot of next generation committees being set up now at Agricultural Societies and that's to acknowledge the need that we need to get that younger blood involved. Of course, we still need to get all the generations involved with agricultural shows. But getting that next generation involved, the new ideas, new ideas on the farm, the new ideas of how we can actually um, operate our agricultural shows is really important.
3: And, you know, pre-pandemic to now, we were saying before that we've seen record numbers of of attendance. What's been kind of the overview of agricultural shows this year?
6: Uh, Queues of traffic. Lots of people wanted to attend. Uh, a great opportunity for people to reconnect with the countryside and that's something with approximately five percent of shows running in 2021 this has been a real opportunity for agricultural shows to get running and get back to what they're good at and get the population uh, back onto the showgrounds and get them linked back up with the ag trade stands the livestock and the guys that are running the shows
3: what do you enjoy most about these shows then
6: Do you know, if you'd asked me on my show day on the 21st of July, I'd say six o'clock when everybody was going home. (laughs) But as I'm visiting somebody else's show, it's just fantastic to see people engaged, enjoying, looking at the livestock, learning and really just, it's that localism. This show is so different to my show at Driffield. This is very much a hill farming show, very much a different form of agriculture. It's just really nice to see that local variation.
3: And finally, what do you think is the future of agricultural shows?
6: I think there is such a fantastic future for our organizations right across the length and breadth of the United Kingdom. We're all slightly different but we do so much the same and it's learning the lessons from each other, it's moving forward, it's acknowledging that the world is changing but still keeping that tradition that's been going for me 160 years for Westmoreland over 200 and that's the really important part.
3: Well, thank you very much. I'll let you get back to the control room because I know you've been up since 3 in the morning as well, so really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. One farmer, Ryan Capstick, has shown their sheep at Westmoreland for a number of years, and so how's it gone today?
8: Yeah, I've done all right today, I yeah. got a second prize out of a class of 22. So.
3: Ah, well done. And so you're here at the Westmoreland show you keep coming back. Why do you keep showing your sheep here?
8: Because uh, it's it's probably the main the main show for the Rough Fells, and it's a it's a, a good show. You see a lot of folk.
3: And, and what do you think of the future of these agricultural shows?
8: I think over the last few years, I've seen an increase in number of sheep. Whether that's I don't know. Whether it's like uh, more more uh, flocks wanting to like showing the showing the sheep off.
3: Yeah. And then in terms of like who who comes to these shows, obviously you farmers show them. Do you feel like there's more of a a farmer audience that comes or do you think a lot of them are consumers that want to look at sheep who uh, maybe live a in bit the city? Both.
8: There's, there's a lot of when you're on the judging there's a, like when you're watching the judging there's a lot of farmers like watching but there's also like like down the back of here there's a lot of the, like the general public sort of thing just having a look and Seeing the different breeds and what have you.
3: Yeah, and then, I guess, like, what do you think as a farmer is the purpose of these agricultural shows now?
8: Uh, Probably very social, but also like the the competition and the the like the uh, like like competing with the better sheep in the in the county, I suppose. Yeah. County show.
3: And then. Obviously, you're a young farmer right, yeah, yeah. coming into like the future, the generations of of showing. What do you think, your What do you think your generation will do? Do you think you'll keep showing and coming to these? I think
8: so. Yeah, yeah. There's quite a lot, of, quite a lot showing the fells today that have, uh, that have a young, like younger, younger generation looking to looking to improve the breed, I suppose.
3: Oh, thank yeah. you. That's been great. That's it for
0: this week's Over the Farm Gate. Don't forget to pick up a copy of this week's Farmer's Guardian, where you read all about why Liz Truss is under pressure to reverse the Badger Call phase-out and a look back on the Liberty and Livelihood March held 20 years ago, the biggest rural protest the UK has ever seen. Thanks for listening.